Hey listeners, we are on our ninth episode. Yes, indeed. I hope everyone's hanging in there on their respective sides of town and doing well out there yonder. If you are a returning listener, I'm happy to have you back. And if you're new, I appreciate having you here as well. Welcome. And just to make sure everyone is up to speed, You Got This is a podcast where we explore authentic living, seeing things from a higher perspective, and how to balance taking care of yourself and the world around you. The U stands for universe or universal consciousness. And of course, it's just a play on the word U with a Y, but you have permission to make the U whatever you want it to be. I'm your host, Asia Smith, and I'm a leadership educator, life coach, and intuitive healer. That's not a replacement for therapy, so if you need it, please do what you gotta do to keep yourself well, because it matters to me, and it matters to the folks around you, too. Thanks. (laughs) Mama Bear out. Um... Cool. (laughs) So I've shared in previous episodes how much higher education has impacted my life from a growth and healing perspective and connections played a major role in that. So on this episode, you'll hear me chop it up a bit with my good friends and former colleagues, Mike and Mel DeVera. If you're a returner, you know, I've also mentioned that there's light and dark to everything. So in this episode, we are also going to talk about our personal and professional thoughts on the pros and cons of the higher education system and the positive, negative, or neutral role that we feel higher ed plays in our society as a whole. That being said, (laughs) you may or may not agree with our perspectives, and there's permission for that. Independent thinking is always welcome here at UGT. That's authentic living, yeah? And fun fact, uh, Mel's maiden name is Devivar, and I totally fucked up and accidentally said her last name when introducing the two of them because it sounds so much like Devera, which would actually happen all the time when we work together. (laughs) Not just from me, but from quite a few folks. So anyway, just a disclaimer about that in case any of y'all feel confused for the first couple minutes. (laughs) And also um, setting expectations that what you'll be hearing in this episode is just a real and perfectly imperfect conversation amongst kindred spirits. (laughs) So I hope you enjoy our chat about taking care of ourselves and the world around us. And after the convo, be sure to stay tuned after the sponsor message for the energy reading for episode nine. Let's dive in. Hey, listeners, it's a beautiful day today, Uh, transitioning from summer into the fall. It's nice and cool outside. And speaking of cool, (laughs) I've got my two friends here, Mike and Mel DeVivar, and I'm so excited for y'all to meet them and just hear their voices and their perspectives today. Uh, Just to introduce them a little bit before you hear from each of them separately, and then we're going to get into our little chat, Mike and Mel are many things, both together and separate. They're explorers, developers, spreaders of authenticity and embracers of the inner geek. They aren't bound by the boxes they check and they're constantly thinking about ways for others to break out of them too. They're Filipino-American, first-generation risk takers and creatives. They met in higher education in 2013 and have since traveled the world, working at two different schools. They got married in 2019, right before the pandemic. I had the pleasure of attending their wedding. Uh, And they're on their continual search to thrive. 
And so all that being said, Mike and Mel, yay. Hey. <laughs> Woo, hey. Um, oh, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, okay, so at this point, I'd love for listeners to hear from each of you. Um, who are you? What do you do? <laughs> I already know all the things. I have so much I want to say, but I'd love for folks to hear from you. So take it away. This is this is so cool. Um, but I am this is the first time I'm ever doing something like this, but it's really cool to do with someone you know. Um yeah. but I I just wanna uh just wanna make a quick correction. <laughs> oh it's, okay, uh, no, go for it. Okay. No, it's, it's cool. Um so it's Devera, Devera, Devera. Oh, how'd you know? Okay, can we share a fun fact story, actually? Yeah, go so, for it. Yep. <laughs> our officiant for our wedding. Um, when we all worked together, uh, so our officiant was, was also a former coworker, and I remember remember that training that we were um, on, and we had to do a training for our students, and then she got on the mic and introduced me as like the MC for the day, and she was like, and um, excited to um, you know present to you Mel Devera, and then I looked at Mike's face from across the back of the room. And he was like, he like put his head down and I just saw like our officiant's face, like her face just got so red. And I'm like, it's okay, girl, it's okay, girl. And I'm like, I got on stage was like, hey, haha, um, Mike and Mel, yeah, we like have the similar last name, but we're not related, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so just people get it mixed up all the time. That's okay. <laughs> Dang, okay, okay, listeners, see, I'm already starting off like... <laughs> You're just bringing it back to, you know. No, but, no, but you know, right. Yeah, bringing it back to the good old days. No, because it's so true. Like, because obviously listeners, they, they don't know. But yeah, Mike and Mel, their their last names, um, you know, are similar. But of course, with the two of them, they're a unit now. So not not Mike and Mel, Devivar, Devera, Devera. But I think the Devivar, I think it's appropriate to still keep it alive, Mel. You know, oh, Mel, actually, Mel's a, a strong woman. Mel's a strong yes. lady. Oh, I actually didn't <laughs> change my last name. My last okay. name is so even with that when we um you know we're of course what is it navigating our marriage mm-hmm. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like I was I think it was even before we even got married or, or before Mike proposed and I was like hey just letting you know I'm gonna keep my last name and then <laughs> he was like oh okay and then you know and then my friends would all be like why don't you just you know like put it together like Debbie Vara or like Debbie Vardavera <laughs> <laughs> Could be Debbie Vera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah. And even just putting together our, our hashtag for a wedding was just like DEV, you know, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely in love. Yeah. And it became a thing, you know. Yeah. People mm-hmm. still refer to that, you know. Yeah. But, anyways, we're like totally like missing the. <laughs> No, this is great. This is great. No, this is absolutely great. This is all about just having candid, authentic conversation. So we're going with the flow. It'll, it'll get to where it needs to go. But, but this is actually, I think a good transition point. And like, just with the whole individuality and authentic living piece, even talking about, you know, two of your last names, I think this is a great place for folks to hear from each of you, what you're comfortable sharing about yourselves. Um, Yeah, just so folks can feel connected before we start getting into the bread and butter of our chat for today. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think um, a crazy fun fact about, and it's still not not just me, but about how we're linked, how Mel and I are linked, because we're linked in so many ways that I think the universe just kind of like put us together is that Mel's brother is also named Michael, and we also have the same birthday. 
And I think it was just a real real weird moment when (laughs) Mel found that out, or we both found that out. But, uh, you know, every every year on February 2nd, we (laughs) greet each other, happy birthday. And, um, but there are just so many things about our name that that just kind of like, um, kind of like intertwine us together, whether we liked it or not. And when we were in, um, when we were both working together as RDs, our, uh, I, I think you remember this, Asia, when we had to go pick up mail, we had to go to this one room in uh, the student <laughs> mm-hmm. housing office, and you just see this whole cubby, like this whole grid of mailboxes for every staff member, and ours were relatively close together, maybe because of our last names. I, I'm sure it's like alphabetized. <laughs> yeah, and just the amount of mail that I got that actually belonged to McCarthy or Mel, and I think vice versa, Was it was just like, you know, something that you just never... You ended up never getting shocked by because the the quantity of of um, switched mail, and then <laughs> I won't name this person in the office, but like there were times where like I would get calls from McCarthy. Oh, and McCarthy's like the the residence hall that I oversaw. that Mel worked at. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were really for Mel, um, or I would get addressed as Mel, um, and it was just yeah, it was just kind of a a weird switcheroo <laughs> thing. So whether we liked each other or not, <laughs> it just forces uh, bringing us together. Um, but uh, just to like answer your question, I, I think uh, one thing to, to talk about is that we met in higher ed, we met Asia in higher ed. I still work in higher ed um, as an academic advisor, the Associate Director for Graduate Advising and Student Services for a graduate level computer science program. Um, and um, we specifically um, are trying to target more uh, domestic and students from underrepresented populations, inclu- including BIPOC students and women to, to essentially disrupt uh, diversified tech. Um, yeah. So it's been a really interesting experience working there for the past couple of years. I don't try to limit myself to what I do during nine to five or nine to nine sometimes, but um, I also like to do video editing. And so during COVID I've been working on, yeah, just like whether it's um, taking a camera and like walking through like cities like Vegas or San Francisco and just doing wandering videos or um, uh, editing other people's videos. Um, I, yeah, I really enjoy doing that. Ooh, That's kind yeah. of a chapter for me. Yeah. Nice. Hey. <laughs> hey. All right. Um, it's my turn. Um, fun fact about me. Um, there's a fun fact about me. Uh, well, I'm learning Korean. Actually, Mike's also learning Korean too. Um, so fun fact is during the pandemic, as we all know, all of our mental health um has been very, you know, just up and down. It's just been a very wild mm-hmm. time. And so I left higher ed after pretty much 13 years of, you know, designing and creating learning experiences for students and, um, and staff. I began a um, journey to pursue something called user experience UX design. And so during the pandemic, you know, it's like all this was happening, happening. And then my mental health was um, needing, you know, just some love and some like something to ground me. So then I started watching Korean dramas with Mike. <laughs> And nice. <laughs> it's been a um, amazing eye-opening experience, um, and I could go with that you know later if should we have time. But 
I've just been obsessed with um, Korean dramas and also learning the language because I feel that it goes back to, you know, thinking about like how cultures are formed, how languages is formed, and also to challenge mm -hmm. myself to learn like a, a non-Latin based um, language as well. Because I'm really fascinated about Korean history because there's a lot of, um, I feel there's a lot of connections even being Filipino-American and how, Filip you know, the Philippines was colonized and then, you know, Korea's history with um, their, yeah, just what's going on in their country. So I'm not, an, mm -hmm. of course, an expert by all means, um, but it's just been something that I've just been, yeah, excited about and really laughing and crying and being, you know, experiencing all these emotions. And so I, I learned a lot about designing um, digital spaces um, through Korean dramas as well. So I embarked on this journey, um, learning uh, a new, a totally completely new field, like I said, called UX, user experience design. If folks don't know what that is. It's pretty much, you know, designing digital interfaces like apps, websites, but it's really digging deep and thinking about like, how do we teach people how to use these um, technology? Is it accessible? Who are we excluding when we're designing, um, you know, for these technologies? And I always think about going back just once again, being first gen and daughter of immigrants, thinking about how my parents inspired me and all the times that I've, you know, like being a teenager, you know, trying to teach them how to use a computer and um, growing up, teaching them how to use an iPhone, it really helps me and grounds me to make sure what I'm, you know, designing for, they could also use too. And also thinking about um, the aspects of, of technology that, you know, also, you know, hinders people from feeling empowered as well. And so mm -hmm. that's been a really, yeah, really neat and fascinating journey that I've gone through um, this past year. And yeah, so yeah, that's kind of that little bit of like who I am and I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah. And, and and thanks so much for sharing both of you. I mean, what I love is it, it, like each each of y'all have have always had your own lane, but somehow it's so beautifully. It it just it works together. Like Mike was saying, kind of with the universe, everything falls <laughs> into place. Um and so I think that's really cool. And again, thanks for opening up about that and your journey and and really what you enjoy doing even outside of quote unquote profession wise, because a lot of what we talk about on You Got This is the the full identity, I guess, intersectionality, if you will, and really recognizing and honoring all of that. And I think that's going to be a big part of our conversation today. So this is a good, a good place to kind of transition into it. But yeah, yeah, you know what, higher ed, that that's definitely a thread that ties all of us together. Um, let's talk a little bit about how we met. Like, because, yeah, because I can think back to when I met the two of you. Um, yeah, and, and we and we were working at a, a university. Well, you know what? None of us work there anymore. I, so I think it's okay to say it. I, I don't have that many listeners. LMU. Go Lions. <laughs> no, that, that's Loyola Marymount um, University in, in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, I met Mike first. Um, Oh yes. my gosh, I remember kind of first stepping onto that campus. I felt I felt so out of place. Um but then but uh, you know actually the very first person I saw was Dion, Dion Simmons. Yeah. Shout out to Dion. Shout out to Dion. <laughs> Shout out to Dion. Um and and Dion was Mike and Mel's supervisor just for listeners. And I feel like we're going to go into so much about our experience today where listeners are going to be like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> 
All right, great, great, you know, great story. Hopefully this is entertaining for y'all. Um, but yeah, Dion was Mike and Mel's supervisor and they were working in, you know, where on campus, the quote unquote sort of upperclassmen lived. So it wasn't the first year area, it was sophomores and up. Um, and I was in what was called the first year area with, with the young bucks, with the young ends. So I was with the first year students. Um, and yeah, I remember stepping onto that campus and I was just like, wow, this is so out of my comfort zone. But Mike, you were one of the first people that I met where I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I think I think I'm gonna have a friend here. Um, oh, that's oh, I so, that. so tough. Yeah, yeah. And, and then Mel, Mel ended up joining the team uh, at LMU a little bit later. And then I remember meeting Mel and I was like, oh, this is my sis. <laughs> like, <laughs> not, you know, not, not to over, you know, not to overshadow you, Mike, not at all. But yeah, like it, it was cool because with Mike, you know, Mike and Mel with the two of you, I, and, and I appreciated everyone that I connected with during my time at LMU, but I think with the two of you, especially just the, just the authentic, genuine experiences that we had together. And, and I think just the connections and even sort of the smaller moments of being on call and supporting students and, and going to get meals together, you know, on campus, being staff members and kind of sharing that bond. Like I especially, you know, am fond of, of that time that I had with the two of you, um, and hanging out off campus, like <laughs> yeah. we, we had our moments where we were able to kind of bond off yeah. campus too. So yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely from my time working at LMU, the connections that I made with both of you were, were so significant for me in my own journey of finding who I am and, and kind of learning what meaningful connections mean to me, especially as it relates to work and, and friendship. And I think also seeing the two of you kind of navigate <laughs> your own relationship, you know what I mean? And, and your own dynamic, which we can, we yeah. can definitely talk about um, today. You know, if y'all feel comfortable sharing, we can definitely talk about that a little bit, but yeah, I don't know, Mike or Mel, do, I don't know if y'all have kind of fond memories of, of first meeting either each other or even meeting me. I'm always interested in, in hearing how, yeah. <laughs> how folks' experiences with me have, have been, but we don't have to talk about all that. But, but yeah, I guess any fond memories that the two of you have in particular um, about our time at LMU? <laughs> I mean, at LMU and and at beyond LMU, right? <laughs> big moments, and uh, I think for Asia, I think there are two things that I remember because it is. I think you were right. Like, I think that it was easy to um, make friends with certain people, and I think you're one of those people who was like you presented as really positive, and that you know you were willing to. Like meet other people and, and I know that you were coming from what I think was the other side of the country um, yeah. but on the flip side I, I was looking for people and I and I defend LA like you know it's 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 my city and um, I want people to like get to know it and give it a chance because I know it's also overwhelming um, but I think Asia you're one of the people on the RD cohort who actually took us up on a, a lot of opportunities to like either like come um, come to uh, I think we had brunch yeah with and I think Emmy was in there and oh, I'm sorry mm -hmm. I don't know if I should, anyways you can cut no, you can. No, it's not. <laughs> oh no no, no no I know we didn't talk about this no you're good you're good you can mention Emmy um, yeah she's been over, part of it too yeah mm -hmm. and you were like having <laughs> breakfast with my family I think was there too and I was like this is really cool yeah and, um and 
he spent the night at my brother Sean's place on the way to Lake Arrowhead. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's or, we've had so like there's yeah. yeah. To, um, what What's was Vegas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then that you was met, a really good time. And then and then Asia met my friend Irene. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like with it's, yeah, it was really interesting. I think even with the fact that we were coworkers, but also lived in on the same campus, it's, it's almost like it accelerates <laughs> making those connections. Cause yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where like, next thing you know, I'm at family functions and, but it, but it, it, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, I feel like I fit right in. And, and for me, I didn't, you know, know anybody, um, moving out there. And yeah, I, I moved out there with one of my friends, but she had her own group of friends. And, and I met Emmy out there, of course, which was a really wonderful part of my experience in LA. And then you all got to meet her and, and she became part of the fold. And yeah, it's, it is really funny kind of thinking about it, Mike, how, yeah, one minute <laughs> we're working together on campus. And then next thing you know, I'm, yeah, like I'm at, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, brunch dinner and yeah. And, and Mel, I've even, you know, like you said, I met Irene, like a you know, really close friend of yours. And I, I've met people that are really meaningful to, to Mel as well. So I, I think that is a really kind of beautiful part of the whole experience where I had no idea y'all two even existed. <laughs> and then getting to LMU and it, it just, yeah, it, it just felt really natural. And I felt like I could be myself with the two of you. And I think, well, not even, I think I know that's exactly why I, I felt safe enough to actually take you up on the offers of like, oh, let's see what LA has to offer or yeah, there's just something very, very safe <laughs> in a very good way about um, Mike and Mel. And so, yeah, I don't think my experience living on the West Coast would have been the same if I hadn't crossed paths with the two of you. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for just how great of, you know, friends y'all have been to me. And, and I think really taking care of me, like I felt taken care of, cause Mel, I, you know what, I'm thinking about a time where shout out to Tramel Jones from, <laughs> shout out to Tramel Jones, um, from, from LMU. Uh, if folks look him up, he's doing his yoga thing, like go ahead Tramel. But yeah, there was a time where Mel and I, you know, we, we went out and I, I had a little too much and Mel took such good care of me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, had, I had a little too much to drink and I was trying to be as polite as possible. And yeah, for folks tuning in, if you're currently in college, um, fun fact, the people who work on your campus, they're probably a hot mess when they're not on campus. <laughs> they're real human beings with real lives, you know? Um, and we like to have fun. So we went out. <laughs> I had a little too much. Um, and so, yeah, couldn't quite keep, uh, keep my food down. And so, and, and yeah, long story short, Mel was very understanding and took very good care of me. It was very patient. And that was a moment where I was like, oh, wow. Like, I, I, I think she's my friend. <laughs> yeah, those are like super vulnerable times, you know? And yeah. I think like, I'm, yeah, I think, you know, for all the, you know, the, the, the listeners out there. And I mean, that's how I survived college was yeah. through the mentors and the people that, you know, whether my peers or my mentors that invested and showed care that mm -hmm. that's why I stay, I, you know, that's why I, I did higher ed for, for so long because I wanted to be there for students and staff at their best and also at their most vulnerable. 
Um, yeah. Because you just never know what goes on, you know, at home. You never know, or, or even the idea of home, if folks even consider, you know, home a safe space, right? And I th think that the biggest lesson I've learned through higher, um, just working in general, not even really higher ed, is when you enter a workspace, you know, whether that is going to be the virtual space, you know, or not, or, you know, in person spaces, find your own people. And yes, I, that was yeah. a piece of advice that was given to me, oh my God, way back when I started my, you know, career, because yeah, I was so nervous. Uh, I mean, I worked at schools, um, is, you know, before LMU, where I was the only woman of color. I was the only, you know, Filipino Asian person. Mm -hmm. And I felt this burden to like, be the representative for, you know, all Asians or all BIPOC people. And so when I got to LMU, my first thing was like, okay, cool. I'm going to a school with a lot of, you know, it's very expensive that attracts a certain kind of, um, you know, population of people. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, who are my people? Like literally, I, mean, I remember scanning my interview. <laughs> all of y'all, there was like 13 of you all. Um, and then Mike, of course, sitting next to me, um, which, oh, fun fact, Mike and I actually met before I interviewed, um, mm -hmm. another story, but we actually connected through um, the same grad program. So I was helping Mike for his interview at LMU before he got the job. And then when I applied to LMU, the tables were turned. He was now sitting next to me interviewing me. <laughs> like the small world of community connections. And then, mm -hmm. you know, fast forward, I got on campus. And then, yeah, I was literally was like, who, who here do I feel? emotionally and psychologically safe to you know be my authentic self and not feel like I have to wear this mask of code switching all the time yeah. and then the story I want to share is the Tupperware story so Mike was super good at texting the RDs after events when there was like leftover food and um you know I've been at schools where students will take the food home and then my experience at LMU was there was a lot of food left over and no one took it home so Mike was like <laughs> Hey everyone, there's food. And then you know who always rolled up a Ziploc or Tupperware was Asian Eye. And literally <laughs> that was I knew like you were the homie because I didn't like I didn't have to yeah. explain myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have to explain that I'm like, like, you know, just we grow up like I grew up the way I did because it's that Tupperware is so significant. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, yeah, it was cool. And that's in a sense how I felt, you know, emotionally like safe around you know, you, Asia, you know, as a, as a human being, as a, as a friend, as a coworker. And then Mike just, Mike was always so good at really just bringing people like community together and, you know, offering spaces to like hang out and whoever was, you know, available or whoever wanted to took up the offer. And then of course we all, you know, hung out and, um, you know, we went to Vegas one weekend, one random impromptu. I think we were, we're, we're out <laughs> yeah. Monica. I think we decided like, right. Like, it was a holiday, uh, and I, I, yeah, we ended up being on oh, campus yeah. uh, or something like that. And, yeah. and I, I didn't have any plans or anything for that holiday. And so oh. then we were like, let's, uh, how about we go to Vegas? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, and the, the three of us just yeah. rolled through and, you know, we had, we still this day, I think it was over almost eight years ago. I can't remember how long it's been, maybe like seven years where we still talk about that trip because I feel mm -hmm. like that's where we really got to like allow ourselves to, you know, really like be who we are and not feeling like, um, you know, like uh, the working, like the working walls are around us. Um, yeah. And even though we were talking like, well, what if we see students around? And yeah, it's a thing. I'm actually, I remember Mike and I started dating. We actually went to Vegas <laughs> I remember mm -hmm. a festival. This is literally like five months after we were dating. And we saw a student, like one of our students, I'm not on our teams, but a student like in the department working a booth. And then we immediately let go of our hands. <laughs> <laughs> we 
I'm like, yeah, because we were so conscious that, you know, just we didn't want like, you know, rumors to start, mm-hmm. we didn't want, you know, just people to think because we're, um, you know, as we're navigating our relationship, we have to also think about like how our relationship impacts others. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, um, it's very, it's very difficult when you're, you know, you're dating and living literally within feet of each other. <laughs> literally like yeah the street so I remember that was a significant moment and then we walked you know we walked further and of course we like hold hands again but (laughs) 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 like are seeing people that we know crazy um but yeah so I think it's just like it's so informative how like community or uh, colleges and environments like Mm -hmm. it's you're such in a bubble and it's just so important to find your people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I definitely felt like you and Mike were like my people. And, and that's why I was like, all right, I think I'll, I'll go uh, to this thing. And it's, yeah, yeah. My experience definitely would not have been the same or as I think transformative slash transformational in my own journey. And it's, and I love that you brought up (laughs) that Tupperware story um, because it does, I, I think, sh- kind of show folks from the intersectionality sort of piece as far as diversity is concerned and finding your people. LMU was a, a, a bit more diverse <laughs> than some environments that uh, we've worked in, but from a socioeconomic perspective, like there were definitely some divides there. And I think I think for a few of us being on staff, having little moments like that where it's like, oh, okay, like if you know, you know, or like, oh, okay, you know, like you get it, you understand, like, and and it doesn't even have to be from the socioeconomic perspective, just in in any way where you have those kind of special moments where you notice that people truly see you and understand you beyond the mask or the code switching, which quite often we have to put on being in a professional environment. And I think, especially with higher ed, and this is something where, where Mike, like with you still kind of being in that environment a little bit, like you could probably definitely speak to this, but it's, it's such a, a, a delicate balance, I think, with higher ed in being our authentic selves in order to be an example for students, like with being a mentor. I feel like if some of the students that we've worked with, and we can all think of those students where it was such a special connection, like mentor to mentee, where it's like, oof, like if I wasn't here, I wonder what, if the student would have had the same experience. And that's not even to give ourselves too much credit. It's it's really about the, the powerful impact that a mentor can have for someone who might feel like they aren't represented in the larger community, if that makes sense. And so it's, it's this delicate balance of being ourselves, but then we also have so many things that we have to hide and, and your relationship in particular, like that was something, but, but yeah, I'd love to, to kind of talk about that a little bit, kind of like navigating that balance of how much of yourself to show <laughs> at work and and really how that's impacted you so yeah mike feel yeah. free to chime in <laughs> no I, feel free I, yeah yeah i, I think <laughs> you know I, I i just think about the time at lmu and i'm not one to regret any experience right and i don't regret my experience at lmu at all um but i will i i think looking back you just think about how much um 
like anxiety and mental health um, comes to the forefront. It, you don't, sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you, you think that this is what like life is going to be because that's what you know at that certain time. But looking back, I realized like how much I've come a long way into making decisions that are based off of me and myself and things that I want to do outside of work. And yeah. I also think that I've been fortunate to like every step, every job that I've had after have been slowly in, like, in, like inching towards um, like giving me more space to do the things that I want to do a little bit more agency with control. Mm-hmm. So when I talked about doing video editing, um, I don't think I would have been able to like do my video editing um, and even in some ways get paid for it without having encouraging um, coworkers and even bosses. And even to the point where like it was encouraged for me to put it in my like goal expectations for the year. And so, ever since like for the past 12 months, I've been working with our marketing team at work to do various video projects. And that's been um, a highlight of my work. And I think if more workplaces kind of understood that concept, then I think you would experience Mm -hmm. higher retention at your workplace, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But also just going off the, the theme of like finding your people, whether it's colleagues, whether it's coworkers, or whether it's peers um you really need to find those people who make you feel safe and help you sort of dig in to like what's in your mind and the the dilemmas that you're facing with yourself because like for me it was it was really about like how much to show and how much to share but I wouldn't have done Mm -hmm. it if I had people who said yeah no uh if I if I didn't have cheerleaders who said yeah no you should really um start this YouTube channel, you should really showcase the work that you do. And then maybe we can um, use your video work in the conference that I'm planning um, later down the road. And then so you're working with other people who are also sort of in the same boat of trying to um, bring their dreams into onto paper, right? And so Mm -hmm. uh, I think that has been one of the highlights of just being in a workplace, just in general, because I know we think about we might go into more about higher ed and some of the things that systemically make it a problem yeah. for a lot of people, including access and being your authentic self. Um, but also you can think about how you, you can think about being at a university as like a hub of resources. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I know for me um, and, and, and listeners, if, if you're returning listeners, you've heard about this a little bit in previous episodes, but for me, my higher ed experience as a student and as a staff member, when when that time came for me to make that transition, it it truly changed my life. I even tell some people that it saved <laughs> my life um, in it, actually in in many different ways. And I found through higher ed my ultimately kind of the root of what my passion is uh, for helping people and and also as a way to heal myself through being a coach and just through leadership education in general. And so, yeah, I I agree with you, Mike. I feel like higher ed, um, it does have the potential to open so many doors. And I think for all three of us, there, there are unique experiences because of higher ed and some of the adversity and challenges we've had to overcome and also all the different 
types of students and staff members and ways of life and, and things that we've learned about relating and connecting to others that have prepared us for all of these things, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of in the, the world outside of what can feel like a bubble, like Mel said, of being in higher ed, especially being in student housing, like we all were. We, I mean, we saw some crazy shit <laughs> being, you know, being on duty overnight, uh, as far as, you know, students who were in psychological distress um, or intoxicated students, students who were severely ill and helping them. Um, you know, there's so many things. We literally saw a little bit of everything. And for us, for, for many of us, we're either early on in our careers or mid-level in our careers at that point, seeing these traumatic experiences that students are going through and we have to kind of hold it together to support them. Uh, but all of that really helps us have that resilience in order to be able to know if we're in a work environment where, like Mike said, it's positive where folks are really encouraging you to explore all the aspects of yourself so you don't feel like you have to wear a mask versus being in an environment. And I'm not I'm not dogging LMU and saying that it's just LMU like this. This is a general statement of about work environments, but there's there's such a difference between that um, and really honoring the full person and being in a work environment where you have to wear that mask or you have to to code switch. Um, and I know I've said that a few times. So for any listeners who don't know what that means, it's it's literally changing the way that you talk and present yourself to fit whatever group it is that that you're around. And it really is kind of a form of relating to people or even survival in in some cases. And so for me, I, I, I have had to code switch and I still do um, sometimes naturally. Uh, and so definitely want to put that out there as something that kind of happens. People do it. But if you feel like you're in an environment where that's the only way that you're able to fit in or survive or thrive, then that means you're not being your authentic self. <laughs> and that might not be the place for you. You got to find your people. Um, cool, cool. And, and Mike, I'm really glad that you brought up that example of where you're working now and how it it does help with retention and, and folks feeling like they can truly thrive because you're on a team of people who encourage you and also open doors for you to opportunities where you can tap into that passion that really lights you up. And I even think about my time at LMU, like some of the random ideas that I had for projects and ways to engage students and events and things like that. And you, you two were always two people that were so supportive and really pushing and encouraging even for me to kind of step outside of the box and grow and so you you talking about that made me just think again about that and and just our time at LMU together and just some significant moments so cool cool um yeah and yeah <laughs> no go for it go for it <laughs> I just want to clarify because um you know the the amount of work that we put in with helping students um like even the triage part of our work with, you know, students and their trauma and the number of incidences. Um, and then we had a day job, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we had yeah. to like do very administrative things during the day, like whether it was opening the building or, you know, talking to students during the day or just like dealing with like floods, facilities issues, you name <laughs> um, collaterals. And that's what I, it, it was just, yeah. It was a lot of energy, and I'm glad that I mean, in certain moments, there 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 are a lot of things I take away from that experience mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like community building, 
um, and um, just like working with a team. Um, but yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot that we did. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and hey, I'm glad that you kind of, you know, made that plug because it it's true. It really was. It, it was a 24-7 kind of thing. And I think that's why it, it, it could feel, you know, it, draining quite a lot. And, and I think for me, especially, I felt like kind of 24 seven, I was looking over my shoulder, like, oh, like, is this, is this okay? Uh, it, like it, I feel comfortable with being myself, but this is a part of myself that maybe my students don't need to see, but maybe they do. And I, I mean, it was just literally kind of mentally always thinking about that on top of putting the students first and naturally just caring about everyone around you and, and making sure that um, everyone's good to go and you're building community and all the admin stuff. And so, yeah, yeah, Mike, actually, I appreciate you saying that because there's, it, there's so many layers and dynamics to what we did in housing and it was a lot. Um, but, but I definitely feel like it, it provided opportunities to really help build our resilience and shape us and prepare us for, for life outside and after higher ed. Um, and it's really interesting because in general, like even thinking about uh, higher ed and traditional or societal standards of success, at, as we know from being in that environment, that so many folks consider higher ed a required step in achieving success. But I feel like, I, I really feel like that's not true. I don't know if y'all feel the same. I, may, I feel like you probably do. But I mean, ultimately, after working in higher ed, as far as success and all that good stuff, I feel like in its purest form, what colleges and universities really should be are safe spaces so that folks who students and staff really can explore what it means for the individual as well as the larger community as far as who they are, what they're passionate about, what they contribute. I feel like that's what higher ed and college campuses are for. But I mean, at this point, it's it's kind of like a business. And, and to me, I, I think that's unfortunate. But I, I'm putting that out there as far as like pros and cons of higher ed in general, because I'm interested to hear your perspectives um, on that. Like, like, do you oh, yeah. feel like higher ed is it should still be a thing? <laughs> um, I have yeah, I have lots of thoughts about that. Because, yeah. Um, I think Okay, so you know I've been out of higher ed for over a year, and actually a shout out to Dr. Maisha Maisha Beasley because she's the one who dropped this knowledge and reminder that no matter like okay, so I meet a lot I meet a lot of people who are you know transitioning who want to transition out of higher ed, um, and a lot of conversations around oh I I got my master's degree in higher ed like I feel like it's um, what's the word like not worth it it's like wasteful mm -hmm. and Maisha reminded you know me actually on another like um talk we were on a panel where think about your experience in college your master's degree whatever you get it's a toolkit to give you knowledge and access to other possibilities mm -hmm. right so while the system is flawed um in itself because as remember higher education was built on a system that didn't include people like us on this you know, in this podcast, right? Yeah. But for me, it's really reframing and thinking like, well, knowing that, you know, it's expensive already. And, you know, it's, it's just this long emotional, you know, journey. 
what can I do with it to help try to change the world? And I know that seems very like, was it like frou-frou or, you, you know, utopian or whatnot, because I think that what happens in the work world and what I'm seeing with like jobs, it's, they like glorify, you know, the higher education, you know, like has to be required, mm-hmm. which I get it. Like, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure like there's, you know, a reason and, but it's also elitist because it leaves out people who, you know, didn't go to college. And then that creates this whole societal, you know, what is it called? Like a, like a, sti- caste yeah. a caste and an achievement gap too. Yeah. The achievement yeah, gap. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, you know, companies should be um, hiring people for their skill set, not because you went to a certain school, like you went to a school to show that you're able to accomplish a really, you know, challenging, you know, feat, you know, four years, you know, six years undergrad degree, you know, two years, master's, whatever that is, but that should not define who you are. And I feel like that is something, you know, I really want young lists, you know, young adults out there, young, um, you know, um, emerging professionals to hear that, like, you know, your college degree, your job should not define who you are. But also I was, you know, I was that kind of person who, in a sense, for a long time in my career, kind of fell into that because that was what I was, in a sense, brought up from my parents especially for my father, you know, who, who immigrated here and, you know, believe in meritocracy, believe that you should work hard, go to college, and then of course live this American dream, right? And so mm-hmm. it took me a long time to really like de- deconstruct that, break it down and say, hey, you know, now, as of course I'm older, um, while yes, higher education, um, in a sense, it has to be a business. I totally like understand it. And that was really hard for me as a, you know, administrator to really like, talk through that because you know I stayed in housing for how long <laughs> long time right and so mm-hmm. being like a um like a you know people managers you have to balance of course the university goals and of course like your staff goals but it's really like understanding like yes there's that piece but what can we really do as like a collective to really try to you know really dismantle that right and really create these work environments where we're not creating this like elitist, you know, caste system because of your college degree, your degree Mm -hmm. gives you access just to more knowledge for you to learn more things. And I feel like, I mean, maybe I might be kind of like digressing a little bit, but I feel that um, it's, it's capitalist. It's, you know, it's, I had to really learn in my career, like, okay, Mel, you're part of the system. But now since I'm out of it, like I really want to try to do something that's, you know, a different impact, but also know that my impact is still part of a system and I'm, and I have to be okay with that because the more I get critical on the system, I don't want it to, you know, make me feel like I can't do something. You know what they call it? Analysis paralysis. Yeah. 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 It was a time where I was just so critical about higher ed. It was like really making me feel like I was limiting myself. And I think that's mm-hmm. when I knew it was like, okay, I think it's really like time for me, you know, to try something new and to continue this like design art dream I've had for such a long time. Cause that's what I actually majored in, um, in undergrad way back in the day. And so I think it goes back to thinking about like, well, yes, the system is corrupt. It's shitty. We're all in a sense products of it, but we have yeah. you know agency to try to find other people in community to, you know, provide impact in positive ways. Um, 
So I think that's what I mm -hmm. try to like work with students, especially working at my last school. Um, also, it's a sister, you know, sister Jesuit school to um, LMU at University of San Francisco. A lot of students went there because of the social justice mission, and they really wanted to, you know, do a major and really legitimately change the world. And so it's really, yeah. just, you know, find like, how do I say it? Like, no, like recognizing that the system is corrupt and it's shitty, but also not having that um, be a barrier to like having you achieve your dreams and feel like you have to fulfill this like professional expectation because I, mm -hmm. I've had, I was really appreciative of that environment because as a, as a, you know, staff member, I was able to really have really deep engaging conversations with staff and students about professionalism because yeah. other schools I've been at before, I just, it was a, it just wasn't a thing. You couldn't talk about it. Or if I did talk about it, it was kind of like I was the rogue one, but I felt in that environment, people were so open to it that I was like, yeah, we should be talking more about, um, yeah, like how I, how the idea of professionalism really limits us and how we're not authentic at work. Um, mm -hmm. so, yeah, just, yeah, I think, I don't know that answers the question, but those are just like my reflections from like the past year and really like thinking about how, like for me, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, um, not coping. Um, when you like come to terms, um, mm -hmm. left last year, I was like, holy shit. Like I've just, you know, I'm, I've put a chapter close and I had to also heal from yeah my experience and just recover from, um, you know, years of putting energy, time, blood, sweat, and tears to taking care of others. Now it's time for me to take care of myself. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna leave that there. <laughs> no, that, yeah, yeah. And that was great, Mel. Um, and, and thanks for that. And I, th and you know what, I mean, I think, uh, especially with everything that you're sharing it, it, there's so much i think with higher ed and it 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 really is a delicate balance of understanding that it, it at its core it truly is meant to provide opportunities to folks and, and i think especially the fact that it provides opportunities to folks if if it's equitable <laughs> to because that's how it was for me uh it, it provided access and exposure to things outside of my home environment where if i hadn't had that experience i, I wouldn't be the same person but the fact of the matter is that it, it higher ed isn't as equitable and as accessible as it could be or as it should be. And that's what's unfortunate and how it feeds sort of into this system. But I love what you said about the fact that the system's there and it's about understanding how it works and how to use the tools that you have and the resources that you have available to work around that and in some ways almost make it work for you. And so for me, that's what inspires me as a coach, uh, it really helping people to identify who they are and what they're passionate about and achieve quote unquote success in the way that they see fit, whether it's traditional or not. Um, and even for a, for a company, there's a company that I also coach for where I coach managers and executives where we're trying to decode and help reprogram leaders to think differently as far as corporate leadership is concerned. And so again, I think that's a really great point of 
what can we do with what we have, knowing where we are, <laughs> to recognize what systems are in place and perhaps the pros and cons of what those systems are? And how can we really highlight the pros and perhaps change and shift some things so that more people can benefit? And then the other great thing that you mentioned, Mel, <laughs> was about realizing that you were taking care of everybody else while you were working in higher ed, but it finally got to a point where you recognized I'm not taking care of myself. And so maybe, maybe now is the time <laughs> for me to kind of transition and explore and, and, and maybe do something a little different. That's sort of what inspired me um, to kind of make that transition out of higher ed and focus on learning more about other industries and really kind of finding what I want to do as it relates to being a leader and being a coach. Since for me, I know leadership in general is what helped me grow and, and, and really transformed my life. Um, Mike, don't worry. I know that you're there still. <laughs> so any, and yeah, any, I don't know if you have any, um, thoughts just kind of about success and, and sort of the traditional societal standards, pros and cons, but want to make sure that we get your voice in here too. Uh, I mean, I feel like both you and Mel have really hit on a lot of things that we struggle with. And for somebody who's still in higher ed, it's, you see it every day that even in um, well-intentioned programs that um, that there are forces um, that sort of still set a bar if you know what I mean they like yeah always like there's always um, a limitation and it's going to close the door on somebody um, and so I, I I think the challenge is how do we continually try to keep the door open in more ways than one and I think part of it is um like until we you know find innovative ways of like reaching out to the communities that need it most which i don't i think that there's a lot of room for improvement in all the places i've worked at mm -hmm. um, i don't think we'll quite get there you know and um there are like for instance we're trying to increase our domestic underrepresented population um, to again, uh, disrupt tech. Um, but it is, uh, we aren't necessarily getting, you know, uh, like students of color coming in through the door saying like, this is the place that I wanna, you know, go. I think there's there's so yeah. much like building rapport with these communities and, mm -hmm. uh, and, showcasing or even trying to uh, identify what is it that students really need because you're right there is still the achievement gap right and so um you you need to come in and possess a certain level of knowledge in math which a lot mm -hmm. of people just in general struggle struggle with in order to you know graduate with a master's in computer science and so there's just a, a lot to a lot to tease out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, there there are so many there are so many challenges, um, and I don't necessarily think that everybody has to go through that door either. So, mm -hmm. um, I as an academic advisor, I'll hear, I'll you know talk with students here or there and kind of assess that of the reasons why they entered the program. And of course, 
something that comes up is that you know it is an opportunity for upward social mobility which which is a good thing for a lot of these students mm -hmm. um, but some of them realize that not it's not necessarily they don't have the chops for it but they're not enjoying it uh, or they yeah. hear horror stories working working um, <laughs> in certain companies and so it, it does a number on them about do I want to keep going down this path Mm -hmm. So we think about higher ed as this uh, this place where it's like a bubble, uh, which it is in many ways. Uh, but also, like once you're in, you have to like, um, you have to like complete the transaction. Um, yeah. So, uh, there's a lot of pressure to like get that degree, right? There's a lot of pressure to get that job. Um, but well, I think what you said, Asia, earlier about like, if we saw higher ed a little differently about like your college experience is also about forming um, your integrity mm -hmm. and finding um, where do you belong, like when it comes to like your ability to lead, you know, things like that, then maybe, you know, um, maybe we'll get a different type. Uh, we'll we'll get you know a different set of students and maybe we will get we will our goals and objectives will be looking a little differently and not so black and white um and so mm -hmm. that meaning that it would be okay for me to say look like it doesn't seem like you're enjoying what you're doing and um and what you're learning um have you thought about you know a b and c and i do that um but for some students there's so much pressure that they don't necessarily, they're not able to see it right away. Um, yeah. So, you know, it takes more coaching or it takes, you know, that's why sometimes I do like life design workshops um, and um, just having discussions about like, well, what do you want to do? Like, what does your journey look like? And how do you want to contribute to society if we didn't have these boundaries? Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, I mean, can I, can I reflect on that really quick too? I think, I think that's the, if I could just, yeah, I'm going to share my um, experience through the students. I've thousands of students I've worked with is there's so much pressure that these young people and even people like people who aren't young going through college, because I also mm -hmm. want to, yeah, people who are returning to education, who are, you know, um, parents who have gone through, you know, just a different, a different path versus if you're traditionally like an 18, 19 year old, mm -hmm. there's just so much pressure to complete this degree. It's so technical, right? That I know, at least when I worked, you know, my team and I tried so hard to like find and create those spaces for like personal development, identity development, you know, resilience building, all of that. At the end of the day, it's, you know, it's hard to do that when like society tells a young person or college student, you know, like if you don't get this degree, you know, you're not going to be enough because when you look at jobs out there, all you see the first thing, even when I look for jobs, you know, now um, in my, you know, like new, like new, my new, um, what am I doing? New field I'm going into. It's first thing I see is, you know, masters of human computer, you know, human computer interaction, mm -hmm. masters of this, BA and this, that's like the first thing that you see. And I'm turned off by it. So yeah. I, will look, I will look for roles that, you know, will share like, you know, we would love to see this from you as a candidate. You know, we're, we're inspired by you as a candidate by these bullet points versus the first thing you see is a college degree. Because mm -hmm. what I've been really appreciative in my design, my design um, journey is I found amazing group of people um, 
through this virtual remote program that I'm currently doing. And um, there are some people out there who don't have a, who didn't go down the college route because they chose that's not what they wanted and that's okay. Yeah. Right? But it's also, you know, difficult when you're looking for jobs out there and all you, that's the first thing you see. Right. And I think that just goes back to the pressures that, you know, Mike was saying about his students that he's working through with them, um, these societal pressures to complete this degree that that is in a sense, like the only way or like, you know, yeah, like the only way to get a job. And it's, I'm, I'm not for that. <laughs> you know? Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one way, but it's not, and yes, it'll give you access, but I think someone, I just feel like, yeah, we could just do a better job in our society to really, um, yeah, just take off this pressure, you know, like really help folks with like mental health anxiety mm-hmm. um, because it's, yeah, college is hard, especially since college is hard now because it's, it's so expensive. And I didn't want to go in down the route about, you know, like paying for college. Yeah. Um, paying for a traditional college in a remote program versus, of course, in person. Yeah. Last year when, you know, a lot of college students were discerning what to do. Should I apply for a traditional four-year college, pay the same tuition, or do I go down a remote, um, you know, remote college where you pay less? Because we also can't assume that all of our students has the financial means to go to college. Right. That's yeah. A whole, that's a whole other, you know, conversation we could have another time. Um, and it, yeah, so yeah, that's all. That's all. <laughs> that's all yeah. 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 Be passionate about it because I could feel my, my face getting warm, but I, <laughs> yeah, I just feel like we could just, yeah, that, like, and that's what I, I really appreciate about being in higher education because I was exposed to that. Like this, mm-hmm. This, this consciousness where I'm able, I'm, I, I'm, I want to bring it in my design space. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So I'm, I, I, it's really great. I have friends I could have this conversation with like in this new, yeah. In this new industry I'm entering. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just being in, in an environment like higher education, it, it does expose you to so many things. Um, and then of, of course the caveat to that is that just the, the structure of it all, it does feed into just that competitive sort of societal programming about how that piece of paper, you know, or, or that degree or that title or what you acquire or how many people you lead that, that that's what defines sort of that trajectory or that that's what defines whatever impact it is that you've made in this world. And it, and for the people who want to go that traditional route, um, that's fine. I mean, higher ed isn't all bad, just like it isn't all good. And I think that's kind of the, uh, I think that's the underlying kind of, kind of theme. I I want that to be a key takeaway (laughs) for, for listeners. We're, we're sharing our perspectives, but we've shared the good and the bad. Ultimately, like I said, higher ed isn't all bad, just like it isn't all good. There's, there's light and dark to everything. This is something that I've mentioned for returning listeners. You've heard me say this in previous episodes. It, it's all about perspective and free will. That that's a thing. So you have the right to decide um, what's best for you. And for some folks, it might be that environment of higher ed. If you're able to do it, if you have the access or support and resources to be able to get the access, maybe it'll be life changing for you, like it was for me. Or maybe you're someone like the students, uh, you know, that that Mike has worked with, where you recognize. Mm, maybe this isn't the route that I want to go. And 
hopefully there are resources around you where you have the support that you need in order to be able to follow your own path. If it looks a little bit different than the majority (laughs) that might be in, in your community, wherever you are. Um, yeah. I mean, overall, and, and we've all said this too, it's just, it's so important for us to kind of, and, and us, I mean, as a collective, all of us <laughs> to shift our perspective that the jobs or titles define who we are. Um, and, and from a leadership perspective, Mike, I love that you brought leadership up. I, I feel like leadership happens in all directions and really it's about uplifting your community, whether it's big or it's small, or it's just you. It's, it, it's about who you are as a person um, and and what it is that you're kind of putting out there into the world based on what lights you up and and how can you use that to inspire other people and kind of bring them along on your journey or help them to discover what their journey is. Um, It's having a vision and and bringing out the best in yourself and others really in order to make that vision a reality. Um, Cool. Cool. Okay. Okay. I we, I know we could go on forever. I got to close this out because listeners, I know y'all, y'all are probably like, okay, I'm enjoying this, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, but, but great. yeah, yeah, this, this was fun um, uh, catching up and we, I know we could keep going and going, but, but yeah, just for, for the time and energy of the listeners, I want to make sure that they get some final kind of words of wisdom uh, from you or even resources perhaps that have kind of helped either of you on your journey so far to close this out. And so, yeah, any, any, you know, final words that you want to drop on listeners <laughs> for this week and beyond. Yeah. I can go first. So something yeah. that has really helped me um, through my journey this past year is this like um, mindset of like, don't compare yourself to a previous version of yourself. Mm. So whether that was you yesterday or like you a year ago, um, it's easy. It's such a natural human thing to like, oh my gosh, like I'm compare myself to last week how I feel about my design work and you know like I don't want like how I felt last week where maybe I had a bad week to define my week for this week and also just to recognize that like a year ago I have changed so much and yeah I yeah I just want the listeners to hear um and you know learn from that take you know take what you can away put the rest in your back pocket um and don't, don't compare yourself to a previous version of you because you are progressing every day and celebrate your small wins and look back to previous versions yourself, take away what you've learned so that you could keep moving forward. And yeah, I'll pass it on to Mike. Yeah, love it. Yeah, um, I I think taking it back to our Jesuit days, you know, I, I think <laughs> we talk, we've been talking a lot about higher ed and like whether this is for you or not, it is an option, but it's not the only option, definitely. And I think before you even think about like if if you know if is college the thing the route I want to go to, go towards there there are many I mean there are so many successful people like even in my bubble and even in my family um, who did not go to college and so mm-hmm. uh, not it's it's definitely not the only option and um, I learned this um, uh, I learned these three qu- key questions I think from grad school. Um, about just like thinking about whenever you're at a crossroads, um, think about these three questions. What brings me joy? 
what am I good at and who does the world need me to be? And so that might be a better way. That might be a better starting point to thinking about what your next steps are. That's deep. Yeah. Mic drop. Oh, and Mike, Mike drop. Mike, Mike. Uh, Ah. Ah. No, (laughs) No, that, you know what? That was great. That is, that's universal consciousness and authentic living. Just wonderfully kind of wrapped up with a bow, you know, by, by both of you. And so I think that is a a lovely place (laughs) for us to close this out. Um, Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, Mike and Mel, this, this was a pleasure. I loved chopping it up with y'all. And, and of course you're always welcome to come back for an episode in the future if you'd like. Um, and in case any of our listeners, if your stories resonated um, with them, which I'm, I'm sure that's absolutely the case, where can folks find you uh, if they want to connect with you? Yeah. Um, probably best ways through Instagram handle um, designing with Mel. I don't know if I need to spell that out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, I think you're good. It, 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 and I'll put it, I'll put it in the, like the description thing for the episode. So yeah, now nah, nah, you're good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> be conscious, like, yeah. So designing with Mel. Cool. Cool. All right. Yeah, Mike, I, do you want people to find you? <laughs> no, I like to stay hidden. I'm just kidding. Um, I, uh, so for my video editing, and I like to also post like things inspired by travel. So um, that might be a good place to like DM me on Instagram. Soulwap is the name of our Instagram and also our YouTube channel. It's a uh, soul as an S-O-L-E-W-A-P, wandering around places. Oh, I have a, I was going to say I have a question for you, Mike, and I don't know if I should even put it out here. I was going to make a joke about WAP, but I'm not even going to get into it. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to be catchy. You know, hey, hey, um, listeners, if, uh, listeners, if you know, you know. So, okay, on that note. <laughs> That's so cool. And and Mike and Mel, I you already know I love y'all and I'm so happy for everything that you're doing and just the the wonderful things that you're going to continue to bring to the world and everyone around you and you've certainly made such a difference in my life and I'm I'm so glad that we crossed paths and that we're friends and that I've even been able to kind of witness your love story <laughs> uh, over this time, um, you know, kind of kind of starting, at least from what I was able to see, sort of building um, at LMU and being in that environment together. So this was a really special time for us to kind of catch up and give folks a glimpse into our history today. Um, and yeah, if you're listening to this, uh, again, we share different perspectives. Take what resonates, leave what doesn't. If you're a returner, you've heard me say that plenty of times. And that certainly applies here. Um, and so hopefully listening to us chat was helpful for at least a few folks out there. So thanks, folks, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Uh, be safe and stay well. And if anything comes up for you this week or beyond, know that you got this. <laughs> Until next time. Bye, Mike and Mel. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Authentic Service Group, an organization empowering young adults to explore their potential and achieve success genuinely through virtual life and leadership coaching, community engagement, and networking events for emerging leaders in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area and beyond. For more information, visit AuthenticServiceGroup.org. No matter what life throws your way, you've got this.
Hey there, welcome to the energy reading for episode nine. I'm so grateful to have you here. Gentle reminder if this isn't your first time and a heads up if it is, these are general collective readings rather than being one-on-one. So it's possible what comes through may not apply to you and that's all right. That just means the guidance in this particular reading might be messages that somebody else out there needs to hear and maybe the next one will be for you. You have permission to take what resonates from this reading and leave what doesn't. Before we get started, let's all just take a deep breath Okay, (laughs) I'm all set over here. Feel free to pause and do what you got to do so you're feeling good on your end. I've already blessed and shuffled the card decks that I'm using for our reading today. So just a quick shout out to the artists before we get started. We've got the Universal Weight Tarot by A.E. Weight and Pamela Coleman-Smith, Sun and Moon Tarot by Vanessa DeCourt, and the Angels and Ancestors Oracle by Kyle Gray. Uh, I'm going to get three cards from these three decks. So we have a lovely nine card spread for our ninth episode. So I'm looking forward to seeing what messages we get from Spirit. Let's see what's in the cards for us today. Okay gonna start off per use with the universal tarot uh this episode was so long um so i'm gonna try to breeze through the okay i'm gonna try to breeze through this uh but as y'all know for folks who are returning listeners um every time we got two cards uh, already every time i say that it doesn't quite happen (laughs) oh three oh okay cool three cards um but I'm going to put it out there one day and it'll manifest. <laughs> so, uh, cool. So I mentioned kind of leading up to the energy reading that I've got three decks, uh, going to shuffle until I get three cards from each. So we have a nine card spread for our ninth episode. And we have our first three cards for our spread from the universal tarot deck. Two of them are reverse. And one of them is upright. Oh, and and heads up, if you're new, the noise that you hear in the background throughout all of this, that's just me doing additional shuffling of the cards. And that way we get random messages that fly out from spirit. So here are the first three uh, from the Universal Tarot deck. We have reverse uh, the Queen of Swords and also reverse. We have the Tower card. Interesting. And then we have the Three of Pentacles upright. Um... Okay, so we have a major arcana with the tower card and then two minor arcana with the reverse queen of swords and the three of pentacles upright. And with the two cards that are reverse, um, what that means is that there's some sort of resistance to whatever these cards represent when they're upright. Um, So just keep that in mind. Uh, Not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that there's there's some sort of, of, of friction, you know. Uh, so we'll get into that once we get the rest of the cards, but that's what we're starting with from universal tarot. So let's see what we get from the sun and moon tarot deck next. Oh, Ooh. Okay. Two cards already. Thank you. Uh, oh, okay. There's a third one. 
right, let's see what we got. We have, ah, okay. So we have the Princess of Wands reverse. And then upright, we have the Temperance card and we have the King of Swords. So Major Arcana again, uh, this time with the Temperance card. And then, yeah, King of Swords upright, Princess of Wands reverse. Um, wow, okay. So, so far with Tarot, we've got Pentacles, that's earth energy of physical reality, material possessions, working, um, what, what we can see. But then we've also got swords energy so far, and that's thoughts, mindset, communication, perhaps what we can't see. <laughs> uh, and then we got a little bit of wands energy as well, which is fire. That's passion, energy, and motivation. Um, hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm definitely getting, getting a bit of a picture here. Let's see what final messages we get uh, from the angels and the ancestors, and then we'll put everything together. Oh, oh, okay, that was very efficient. Thank you, angels and ancestors. <laughs> yeah, as I was shuffling, uh, a, a chunk of cards just kind of flew out and it was three uh, that were there, but they're all uh, facing downward. So I got to flip them up and see what we got. Uh, we have, ooh, we have the snake shed old skin, the medicine mother, honor your inner knowing and the elder move beyond ancestral patterns. Ah, oh, wow. Okay. Okay, this is making sense. Um, good stuff. All right, so here's, here's what I'm picking up from this spread. So, and, and I'll start actually with, uh, with the Universal Tarot deck. And so the Three of Pentacles, that is... A positive card. It's it's kind of like the Three of Cups, which has come up in previous readings for returning listeners, where, I mean, that's a card that kind of represents all the points connecting. Um, and with Cups energy, that's actually the only, yeah, it's the only suite that isn't here. That's water energy of emotions, re you know, relationships, um, feeling, feelings, emotions, tomato, tomato. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we don't have cups here, but the three of pentacles, that's like the three of cups as far as being a positive card. And in this sense with the pentacles, it means like business partnerships, for example. So with the three of cups, that, that typically means a really kind of solid balance uh, in relationships, good harvest I've mentioned. And for three of pentacles, this is usually a sign that it's a good time for business partnerships or uh, it indicates teamwork of some sort. Uh, it, it, something is going well from that pentacles kind of physical reality earth perspective. And so perhaps as it relates to either work, um, projects, things like that, uh, now is either, you know, either a good time or things, things are going well if you're already sort of in this energy. But I think the reason why I'm, kind of getting the sense from this spread that whoever I'm picking up on maybe isn't quite there yet is because we have the reverse tower card and we've also gotten the tower card in a previous uh, energy reading. It was a little while back. I can't even remember 
exactly which episode, but basically what the tower card means is a reality check. (laughs) And so you'll hear tarot readers say, you're going to have a tower moment or they'll say, I had a tower moment, whatever. Anyway, with this card being reversed, it means whoever I'm picking up on is resisting that tower moment, you know? Um, And I think also with this Queen of Swords card being reversed, what this means is someone who's really good at at sort of concealing how, how they're, what they're thinking, or they might be, they might be wearing a mask, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, yeah, you you could you could say it like that. And so someone where what they're truly feeling and thinking, it's it, that's not what's necessarily kind of showing on the surface. So what's beneath the surface is someone where rather than that Queen of Swords energy, because we've also gotten the, the Queen of Swords, or I think at least an equivalent card from another deck in a previous reading. And uh, yeah, and I think I mentioned that it kind of represents somebody who's able to kind of cut through the bullshit. And I think with this reverse tower card and also this reverse queen of swords, what I'm picking up on is that, you know, maybe this is someone where they are, they are resisting that, um, for some reason. Um, but we have the king of swords card that's upright, uh, from the sun and moon tarot. But we also have the Princess of Wands that's reversed. And so, again, I think it's something that has to do with that Three of Pentacles uh, of whatever you might be working on. Um, yeah, whatever it is, it's it's something that is physical. So it probably has to do with, with work um, or some sort of negotiation, uh, something like that. But... I think with this princess of wands energy being reversed, what, what this could mean is, uh, I think with the temperance card being upright and the king of swords card being upright, it's almost like this is a response (laughs) with these three cards from the sun and moon tarot to the three that we got from the universal tarot deck. Uh, as far as maybe the energy that you're kind of in where it's like, you're, you're currently at the stage in, in your life of this three of pentacles right now, but you're resisting, you know, this, this kind of, this tower moment that you need to have. Um, you're resisting it and perhaps there's, it's mental resistance, you know, with that swords, with, you know, the air energy, but what will help with that is temperance, which, you know, that's balance. The artwork on this card from the sun and moon tarot deck, it has, it has a lady here, uh, and it's got the yin and yang sign as well. And, um, yeah, it's all about balance. And with the King of Swords, with the gentleman here, he's, and it's actually really interesting on this card. Uh, it's got a gentleman, he's on a horse, he's got his sword. Uh, and there are three birds on this card too. And and just uh, with the number three, with that kind of, you know, popping up. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I think the the tower moment or or perhaps what needs to happen is just a, a bit more balance, uh, maybe. Yeah. And with that, there's shedding old skin, honoring your inner knowing and moving beyond ancestral patterns. I mean, that might be the tower moment that whoever I'm picking up on is kind of avoiding or maybe you're afraid of it. <laughs> and you're, you know, take take this how it resonates for you. Um, 
And so, yeah, just I, I think think really kind of kind of deep within about whatever you might be going through in in your own life. If if you feel like this reading applies to you and if there are any patterns that you typically follow that perhaps are no longer serving you, I think this is a message from spirit um, confirming that it, it's okay to let, let that go <laughs> and, and, and change and move on and evolve um, for your own self. And, and that's ultimately what's going to benefit others. But I think that's the underlying message that I'm getting from this spread yeah. Yeah. There's some sort of a pattern with shed old skin, maybe it's even a mask, you know, but there's, there's something and maybe it's influenced by ancestral patterns. Yeah. Um, and perhaps those patterns have been difficult for you to break out of. Um, and understandably so <laughs> I've talked about programming, uh, in previous episodes, you know, um, but the way to move beyond that, uh, is temperance. And then also I think really being in that King of Swords energy. So with the princess of wands being reversed, I I feel like from the sun and moon tarot deck, I feel like that's, that's kind of like a message from spirit of actually encouraging, uh, calming down a little bit, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, it's almost like rather than princess of wands, really try to, to tap into your king of swords. And I, I mean, it could be male, female, non-binary. As far as these cards, if you feel like what they mean applies to you, don't even worry about the, <laughs> the, the gender or anything in the artwork um, or, or in the name of the card. Okay. Just want to put that out there uh, for anyone who's new. So yeah, I think if I keep going, I'm just going to continue to repeat myself. And I do that enough anyway. <laughs> so I think this is actually a, a really good place to close out um, because the message is clear. Yeah, I think this is just uh, a really straightforward um, reminder, a very realistic message of, you know, in order to get to that next stage and whatever you want to do or whatever you're working on uh, quite. And this is actually quite often just in, in life itself, <laughs> you know, uh, what we've done that that's helped us survive and, uh, really, I think persevere, it, that's not necessarily what's going to serve you in whatever stage of life you're in currently. And so this could be spirit letting you know you're in a different stage of life now. So, you know, it, it it's time, it's time to, uh, evolve in whatever way that means for you. So yeah, like the angels and ancestors say, the snake, shed old skin, medicine mother, honor your inner knowing, and the elder, move beyond ancestral patterns. And when you do that, that's when you're really going to get to enjoy um, that three of pentacles energy. And how you're going to get there is by practicing temperance and think really being steady. Uh, as the the king, uh, the male, female, or non-binary king of swords. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, well, I hope that was clear enough. <laughs> I, I moved through it a, 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 little, a bit quickly 
by my, for me at least, <laughs> I, I felt like it was quick. Um, so hopefully that was helpful and clear enough, as I said. And uh, yeah, I'll leave it there. So I hope you folks have a wonderful week. Be safe and stay well and talk soon.